Underwritten, the ABI podcast talking all things insurance. This week we'll be looking back at the ABI Motor Conference, the biggest event in the motor insurance calendar. I'm Lottie Dyche and I'm joined by our Director of General Insurance, James Dalton. Welcome James. Hi Lottie, thanks. So James, the last of the ABI's flagship events for 2018, how do you think it went? I thought it went really well. Uh, there were a lot of people, there was a bit of a buzz to the room, lots of engaged questioners. Uh, lots of people from across not just the insurance industry but the wider insurance supply chain, the claimant legal community, government, regulators. Uh, so it really brought together everyone with a key interest in motor insurance and uh, lots of people making connections and lots of people were uh, engaged in the debate which I thought was really positive. What were the highlights for you? Highlights? Uh, I really enjoyed the, the talk by Dave Smith, the futurologist, on some of the sort of challenges and opportunities facing the market in the future. Uh, the panel session on personal injury was always going to be an interesting debate and we had framed it deliberately so, so I think that worked. Um, but I think the number of people in the room and, and the conversations that were going on on the margins of, of the conference seemed to give it a really a really good buzz. And the feedback from the feedback from people has been really positive, so that's always a good thing to hear that the customer is happy. Yeah, that's always really nice. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll see them all again next year hopefully, as well. Hopefully. <laughs> I caught up with Louise Hansen, Director of Advocacy at the ABI, and Craig Dixon, Chief Executive of DAC Beechcroft Claims, who are both on our State of the Motor Insurance Market panel, where they looked at some of the big issues affecting the motor insurance industry today. Uh, I thought the panel session went really well. I think that the topic of the state of the motor um, insurance market, um, staying away from some of the key issues like mm. civil liability bill, uh, discount rate, but focusing on the, the, the sort of broader challenges was a really good way of focusing attention. Um, I think the usefulness of the panel agreeing that consumer confidence, um, getting good press, uh, encouraging the good news stories and taking on some of the more difficult challenges like diversity worked really well as a discussion point. Yeah, and I think, you know, you can't start any conference without talking about reputation because I think, you know, whatever part of insurance you're in, whether that is motor or home or travel, reputation is always at the forefront of all of our kind of, all of our minds because you know how important it is in terms of customer confidence and trust, the regulator and what they think about the activities in the sector. And also I think the interesting piece that we did spend some time discussing was about the diversity, talent and inclusion agenda, like you said, because actually that is about the strength of the sector. It's like how, how do you get the best talent to join a sector that, for example, hasn't got a great reputation and then stay? And yeah. I think that we all recognise it's particularly when we were sort of looking out across the room that it wasn't a hugely diverse audience. Um, and that's, that's, the, that's the challenge, isn't it? We have to change that. Yeah, and I think that has to be right as well with almost all of the efforts over the last sort of five years or, or, or more being focused on driving the reform programme, um, looking at costs, you know, looking to pass those back to consumers to try and regain some trust, um, but also the, the, the fact that becomes a big distraction in terms of some of the other major, major initiatives. So to actually have a conversation um, within the market about the things that are going to move things forward, so whether that's the right people in businesses to innovate, uh, looking at different products, looking at different ways to, to, to price, um, trying to get in front of the regulation. So uh, one of the points made was that insurers um, often do better when they're driving things rather than when they're forced by regulators or external bodies to do things. 
uh, that, that seemed to be quite well received, I thought. Yeah, and I think it was, it's also good to remind, I think, the, the members out there that when they're feeling a bit kind of under pressure because we've got the FCA market study and you've got terrible headlines in the news and you've got the super complaint being launched, it's actually really good as well to say. But as a sector, we have been out in front. You know, yeah. it was us that called for, back in 2014, for the FCA to put um, last year's price on renewals. And it was us working with Bieber that put forward a, a vulnerable and um, customer's guide at renewal and then launched the general principles and action points on GI pricing. So it can feel quite hard, I think, if yeah. you're seeing all the bad headlines. But, you know, I've spoken to Sit and Survive, and, and I think other people do recognise that out of all the sectors that they're super complaints about, actually, insurance has been the one that has made the most proactive yeah. strides. And that is something that I think the members and the sector really needs to remember because they can, it can sometimes feel difficult, but you, it is better to be out in front than always playing catch up. Yeah, and I think that has to be right. But I think the one really good thing that's always the good thing about the ABI's motor conference is that there's a recognition that most of the pain is felt in motor early. Um, so whether it's price pressure or whether there's an introduction of a new distribution model, so comparison websites, obviously we're um, within the motor environment very, very early on. So the adoption of new stuff and the acceptance of new risk and the need to continually change and evolve means that actually what we tend to discuss at this conference is also relevant to um, other sectors, other business lines, other products in, in the future. But this seems to be the, uh, the, the catalyst for lots of change. So it's quite good to have that broad discussion. Yeah, it is. And also, you know, it is a compulsory insurance. It is a major household cost. It really matters. And I think the point that you made that, they, that you know, whilst insurance is a good purchase, actually, the way in which handling claims and dealing with people who've been through some of the most terrible accidents and actually helping them to get their lives back on track however we can those things are never told those stories aren't told yeah. but they're in a really really important and fundamental part of the service and um, we mention it here of course it's trying to get that story out more broadly but yes I think I think it was a really good session for setting up a lot of the more detailed conversations that are to come yeah I agree um, I just have one more question um, you mentioned before that uh, there were a couple of questions on the Slido um, saying uh, around the gender diversity, saying, "Oh, we're still at the motor conference." Um, why is gender diversity, or why is diversity in general, so important to the motor sector? Well, I, I think the fact that there were um, some questions that came to us through Slido that had slightly negative connotations. Um, around the focus that we were giving to diversity really reinforced the need to continue to push the point at board level um, on agendas like this because you know, the, the reality is that without a diverse future workforce, whether that is gender, whether it's BME, whether it's sexuality, whether it's age, um, the, the ability for this market and this industry, particularly motor, which is always fraught with uh, the, the need to change very, very quickly, is going to be lost. Uh, and one of the questions was about you know, is the effect of vehicle manufacturers or Google coming into the arena going to be a risk for motor insurers? Um, I think the, the point that I, I tried to make was it may be, but not for the obvious reasons. So the fact that they have the might of purchasing power or that they can put uh, hundreds of millions into investment is a challenge. But the big risk for me is if they bring a really broad, diverse, new way of thinking uh, and they out-innovate the current incumbents, then we're going to really, really struggle.
the motor insurance market is where we get to see all the big advances in technology, uh, which is reflected in the fact that we had two separate technology-focused breakout sessions at the conference. Um, with autonomous vehicles just on the horizon and telematics already changing the way that people drive today, what vehicle tech revolution are you excited about, James? Well, look, I think there are lots of challenges and opportunities with increased vehicle autonomy, and uh, we as an industry need to make sure that we're leaning into that challenge. It's very easy to focus on the here and now and some of the public policy and regulatory challenges that, that face us in 2018 or 2019, but if in a dynamic and changing market, we need to make sure that we're looking forward. Uh, there are lots of exciting, interesting developments on the horizon with vehicle tech. Uh, and we as an industry trade body need to grasp some of those issues and help our members navigate some of those challenges ahead. And I think that's uh, what we're doing both at the ABI and, and what we were seeking to demonstrate our thought leadership on at the motor conference that we held last week. So of, of those challenges, which do you think is the biggest? So I've often thought that the debate on vehicle autonomy incorrectly goes from a position of now to a, to a world of fully autonomous vehicles. and. I think the real challenge is to think about how you'll have a mixed fleet of cars on the road, some autonomous, some partly autonomous, and some conventional vehicles, and that is going to provide lots of public policy challenges. So uh, that, I think, is the more interesting dynamic. I think in 30, 40, 50 years' time, when you have a fully autonomous fleet, that becomes slightly easier, but it's getting to that point that's the most challenging an interesting part of uh, the work that we do, I think. Well, um, I caught up with David Williams, Technical Director at AXA, who was part of our Technology, InsureTech and the Future of Motor Insurance panel. Well, I'm David Williams and I'm Technical Director at AXA Insurance, uh, and I've just taken part in a panel discussion on the future of motor insurance with a bit of a focus on technology. So we had three people looking at really innovative things, whether it's new ways of claims handling, um, telematics or usage-based insurance. And I suppose I was the sort of yeah, boring insurance bloke put <laughs> into balance. Um, but it was really good from my perspective because they were talking about you know, really positive things and I was able to say you know, why we were working with some of the panel members and uh, you know, what I thought uh, the customer wanted and, and also why we need each other. So, you know, insurers, uh, yeah, everybody thinks we've got the market sewn up, but we're not that good at innovating and therefore working with you know, people like the other panel members is a great way of making sure that we do deliver what the customer needs in an ever-changing world. So what sort of stuff um, were the other panellists delivering that the insurers are, are supporting? So the telematics offering was moving away from black boxes to uh, more mobile phone usage, which some people get concerned because they're not rigidly bolted to a uh, box, but we were convinced by our, our panel member that you know, they can provide uh, much greater granularity of data. Um, I've also uh, been convinced previously that you, know, you need to influence driving behaviour, you've got to interact with a customer and there's nothing better really than a mobile phone to, to interact, so they have an advantage there. The whole usage-based insurance one is a, is a bit about fairness, I think. So people pay a lot of money for motor insurance and then if they don't use their vehicle, they feel they're being ripped off. So you know, finding a way to charge people more if they drive more, if they use their car more, that was, was very good. And then, as I said, the last one was, was just about the claims proposition and trying to 
do two things, I suppose. You know, one, reduce the cost because it's quite a labour-intensive uh, process currently, but also trying to understand you know, what the insurer wants to get out of it and what the customer wants to get out of it. And uh, like I say, using technology to um, you know, make sure we deliver that better going forward. In terms of technology within the sector, like what is the thing that you are most excited about? Uh, it's, uh, I have to be honest and say it's, it's the autonomy aspect. I, I think if you look at uh, road accidents, we, we own, only have about 1,700 deaths uh, a year on the roads in the UK, but globally it's over a million, million people. Um, it's still the largest cause of death of um, males under the age of 25. So I think connectivity, great in terms of customer service, great in terms of other services that we can provide because we, you know, with safer roads, premiums will come down. So we need to find other ways to you know, deliver uh, things to our customers and interact. But absolutely the, the top of my list has got to be making roads safer. And I think autonomous vehicles will do that. So on to fraud. Um, our panellists seem to move away from discussing the more, shall we say, traditional motor frauds that spring to mind, like claims fraud, cash for cash, that sort of thing, and looking more at potential vulnerabilities of the litigant in person portal and application fraud as potential risk areas. Um, James, how worried should insurers be? Look, insurers have uh, long had a problem with both application and claims fraud, and as an industry, uh, we invest around a quarter of a billion pounds a year in combating uh, fraud and I don't think see any signs of that the need for that investment to to to, to reduce any time soon um, so I think as an industry we're doing a good job to protect honest customers uh, from the dishonest few uh, and and we'll need to continue to do that one of the things I was particularly pleased to hear Lord Keane say in his um, speech was to recognise the significant investment that insurers make in both um, the Insurance Fraud Bureau and the Insurance Fraud Enforcement Department because um, I do think that it's a sort of under-recognised industry investment in, in the sort of politician Westminster space. It's a really significant investment that the insurance industry makes and it delivers really tangible results and obviously we need to continue to make that investment and we need to continue to make sure that the Insurance Fraud Enforcement Department is arresting and prosecuting insurance fraudsters. And so I was really pleased to see that Lord Keane specifically referenced that in his, in his remarks and recognised the importance of that, of that contribution the industry is making. Um, I caught up with Ben Fletcher, Director of the Insurance Fraud Bureau, and Claire Lund, Director of Fraud at LV, who were part of our Tackling Insurance Fraud what's next panel. My name's Claire Lunn, I'm the Director of Fraud at LV and I was um, on the Tackling Insurance Fraud What's Next panel. And my name is Ben Fletch, I'm the Director for the Insurance Fraud Bureau. Great, um, so what were the, the main issues that, that were raised during the, during the panel session? Um, we talked about the reforms um, and how the, the litigant in person uh, portal, um, how that may uh, increase fraud or the risks around that portal. So what could we do to mitigate the, the risks and develop the, uh, the portal? Uh, we talked about um, application fraud quite a lot, which was quite refreshing because I think insurers 
and the industry tend to talk a lot about claims fraud, organised crime, um, an application fraud doesn't get much of a mention. Um, when you think fraud, you think crash for cash. Um, so it's, it's very interesting to, to think about. Uh, obviously, it's insurance fraud, what's next? But, it, you know, it is, it is interesting to, to think about. There's, there's this whole unseen element that consumers might not even know. Uh, and, be... and that was a point that was well made in the, in the session we were on. And I think there was a general recognition that the organised scams they get a disproportionate amount of recognition because they're interesting case studies to the media, therefore they're picked up. However, the reality is for us in the industry that organised, sorry, opportunistic fraudsters actually cumulatively are a far bigger problem for us as a sector. Um, however, um, we talked about the behaviour science work that was undertaken um, and the research that was launched at the ABI Fraud Conference. So the, the real opportunity with opportunistic fraudsters is that this is a group of people that are, you can sway their behaviour, so you can influence how they behave. And the research that was undertaken by the industry and led by the ABI actually showed how through the application of nudge theories and asking some relatively small questions that are not intrusive to the customer journey, you have a real opportunity to actually positively change people's behaviour without them necessarily knowing it. So I thought that was really good. I think the other two things for me, um, Data and trust were two sort of key buzzwords. They've been common throughout the conference today, um, both how we make better use of data to make the customer journey better, but there's also clearly a recognition both in the morning sessions and then carried through to the fraud session about um, we need to be conscious. We're entrusted with a huge amount of data on behalf of consumers and therefore we need to behave responsibly and, and use that data in a sensible way. Um, and then the second was trust uh, and a recognition that part of the problem with fraud is that people don't understand insurance and therefore they don't trust insurers and that creates and adds to the, what is essentially in many cases a grudge purchase in the first place. So we need to work on those two key topics. Um, what were the, the key standout um, sort of points from, from the session for each of you? I think for me, one of the key standout points was um, the recognition that we need to collaborate, that there are a multitude of problems, some of which we can solve individually, and we've got a responsibility, as I touched on before, in terms of managing data responsibly and, and improving the trust. But there are some problems you can't solve in isolation, so we do need to work together. I think the other one is um, that we still have a period of time before the reforms from the Civil Liability Bill take effect. Um, and we need to learn the lessons carefully from what's happened before and work together to try to preempt how people might try to game the system because we've got quite a lot of changes coming with um, the Civil Liability Bill transferring regulation of claims management companies to the FCA. Um, what we can't do is underestimate the tenacity um, of a lot of the organised fraudsters that drive a lot of this and we have to recognise that these are resourceful people that essentially are running businesses, they're running criminal enterprise but it's essentially a business they'll be planning and we've seen that so we've got um, a real opportunity to work together to preempt some of that. Um, for me I think there's a lot of recognition that the insurance industry and how we tackle fraud uh, we've been very successful in the past. Uh, and it's something that we do very well. However, there's also um, a realisation and a real thirst, I thought, today of 
wanting to know more, understanding that it's still a significant uh, issue, um, perhaps moving le you know, less away and focus on crash for cash, but more end-to-end, -end, that end-to-end -end journey of fraud and from application stage through to opportunist and um, organised. So the whole realm of uh, fraud risk and what we can do about it and how it continues to evolve and emerge and people really are, still are interested and understand that we, we've still got a long way to do uh, to tackle it. I also think as well, I mean, you and I, Claire, have both worked in this industry for a reasonable amount of time and, and, and fraud has often and for a long time been seen as a back office issue for a claims team um, and quite often fraud is not necessarily integrated into the business in the same way as things like customer service are and there has for a long time been a perception of fraud is a problem that can be solved so you're constantly asked what's the silver bullet that's going to solve this problem. I think one of the common themes throughout the conference today has been the recognition and there was recognition to, from both the MOJ this morning and then Paul Geddes from DLG and referencing fraud and needing to build that into the systems and processes. So I think that the general awareness that we have of fraud as a problem and the, the recognition that it is going to be there for a period of time and we need to work together, I actually am really encouraged by that and I think it's a, a meaningful step in the right direction. So James, any predictions on what will be the big talking points at next year's conference? Uh, good question. Uh, I think the FCA market study uh, is going to be a big topic of conversation over the course of the next certainly six months but I would have thought most of next year. Uh, we, we can't move away from PI reform uh, not least because we've got an April 2020 timeline to ensure that the litigant in person portal is up and running and that the regulatory underpinnings to make that new whiplash claim system uh, in place and of course next year we uh, have got the process of setting a new discount rate uh, which is a massive strategic priority for the industry uh, to get right and we continue to work uh, on that both now and, and, and into 2019 so uh, some things stay the same but uh, the the issues are slightly different I think and, and that, will, that will be a reflection of 2019 it seems to me Great. Well, James, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today on Underwritten. And we look forward to having you back next year. Thanks, Lossie. Cheers. Cheers.